0: You're listening to New Life Church in Richmond Hill, Georgia. Last week, uh, we started a kind of a two-part series just called Afterlife. Um, Every so often, I like to talk about this, and uh, it just seemed like God had laid it on my heart to let that be uh, over the last couple weeks, and so uh, last week, we looked at uh hell. <laughs> we went through uh this whole conversation of hell and now today we're getting out of hell. So uh we are yeah yeah it's a good day right it's a good day we're we're heading to heaven um uh, and some people so well, I'm I'm not ready to go right now right so uh but let's let's look today what uh, the Bible has to say about heaven and what's uh we can look at as being truthful and an honest kind of conversation. Now, there was a Sunday school teacher who, uh, as as he was teaching his Sunday school class of uh, early elementary kids, he was asking them about heaven, and he says, uh, "How do you get to heaven?" Uh, is what he asked these kids. And they just kind of looked at him, and um, he said, so, well, let me let me, let me me say this. Say it this way. He said, if I sold my house and I sold my car and I had just this huge garage sale and uh, I gave all that money to the church, he said, is that how I get to heaven? And they said, no. And he said, well, he said, what if I did this? He said, what if I cleaned the church every day and I mowed the grass and I kept the yard up and I did everything that I could and everything looked really good, really neat and tidy? He's like would that get me into heaven and this group of elementary kids looked at him and said no that's not going to get you into heaven they said all right he said what about this he said "Uh, what if i was kind to animals what if i gave candy to all the children and i love my wife he said will that get me into heaven and they said no that won't get you into heaven and he just kind of looked at him and said what's going to get me into heaven this five-year-old boy kind of shot up and he just says listen you got to be dead to get to heaven, right? <laughs> uh, you know, that, uh, there is some truth to that, yes. Uh, you know, uh, for many people, uh, heaven is just the default place that they go, people go when they die. Um, and I want us to look at a very honest and truthful discussion today uh, about what heaven is and what heaven isn't. And there's some myths I think that we can dispel, um, some things that people get. And it's just kinda like, nah, that's just kind of like now that's misconceptions about heaven. Uh, the first misconception about heaven is this that a lot of people have is that when you die, you go to heaven and you become an angel. Uh, we find <laughs> nowhere in the Bible where that happens. Uh, that when people die, they they go to become angels. And and I, I get the sentiment. Um, you know, people will say that. You know, they'll say, "Well, heaven's gained another angel." You know, I get it. I get what they're saying. You know, but if we're really looking at it honestly and have a an honest discussion about that, that's not what happens. Uh, people, we don't become angels. We were not created to be angels. We were created to be humans, uh, human beings that reflect the image of God. And so that's what we're created as and so we don't become angels when we die. Some people think that heaven is a never-ending church service. Uh and I am your pastor and that does not sound good to me. <laughs> all right? <laughs> I love church. I'm all about some church now, right? I love Sunday, but heaven as an unending church service uh that is that is that is not what that is uh it is it is not an unending church Or i I, I got to think about i was like man i'm wore out after church i will go someplace about two o'clock this afternoon and i will bury my head on a couch and i'm going to go into a coma for a little while right uh because that's anybody else you do the same thing that that sunday afternoon nap that's a good thing right all right yeah i I get it so there's a few hands some of y'all y'all are going to do that you're just not going to admit to it but um there there's there's some of us you know we just we need that so heaven as an unending church service that is not um the case now there will be worship there uh and uh but worship is not just a church service right uh we worship in a lot of ways so it's not an unending unending church service um there's another misconception about heaven and some of you might get mad at me so don't 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 throw any stones at me just yet um and I'm just kind of going to duck if I see something coming. All right. So uh, we're not getting a mansion in heaven. All right. And I know that somebody said, whoa, oh, oh, hold up right there, preacher. There, there. That's where you messed up because my Bible says uh, in John 14 that I'm going to get a mansion. And in my father's house are many mansions. And Jesus said that, and that's what I'm getting. I'm going to have a mansion on the backside of glory with a Ferrari parked in the garage. So Jesus said I could have it. I'm going to get it. I get it. I understand Um we have that's a misconception that everybody's getting a mansion in the king james version if you have that verse that's what it says it says that in the english how many of you know that the bible was not written in english two of us understand that the bible was not written in english That was not the original language that the Bible was written in, right? So uh, Hebrew, Greek, Aramaic, that's what you're going to find, those original languages of of, of what you find in Scripture. But English was not that. And so when you read that passage, John 14, uh, it actually is better translated, In my father's house are many rooms um and and i get this i get that sense i understand it kind of messes up some of our hymns you know uh i'll fly away oh glory i'll fly away you know it, it, it it may mess up some of our hymnals but um when we begin to think about what is being said that this idea that we can come to our father's house and there's a place of permanence there's a place of relationship. There's a place of position that we can find in our father's house. I'm honestly, that's much, much better to me, much better idea to me than the idea of just sticking me on the backside of heaven with a mansion. I would rather be in my father's house. I would rather be where my father is. And that's the idea. That's what's trying to be communicated there. So if you hate me right now, it's okay. You'll get over it. Just um, just, just, just read, read honestly here. So we're not getting big mansions Um, and we also think sometimes it is a place to escape this earth we think that you know what um, this earth is a sad place there's a lot of heartache here there's a lot of uh, things that happen here and I'm just ready to get out of here just escape the earth and and I'm ready to go to heaven and that kind of that kind of idea Um, actually what we find is this in Revelation let's go ahead and go to our scripture passage this morning Revelation chapter 21 beginning in verse 1 and this is what it says. John the Revelator is writing, um, and he's gotten this vision while he's in exile. He's in exile on this island called Patmos. And so basically the, the Roman Empire, has uh, th- they've sent him out here. He's kind of he's been labeled as a dissident in a, in a way, and it just, uh, you know, he's a rebel, so we're going to go put him out here on this island, and he's in exile. And so while he's out on this island, he gets this vision of uh of heaven and he starts having these visions and i know revelation can be one of those books if you're just starting to read the bible i wouldn't start in revelation it's just my recommendation right <laughs> there's a lot of stuff in there that that may that may throw you off uh right off the bat so probably not a great place for a brand new christian to start but um there's a lot of truth in here that, that we find so uh verse 1 in chapter 21 says then i saw a new heaven and a new earth." For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. I want you to get that. That is huge. What does God want? He doesn't want to just stick you somewhere off into an ethereal place after you die. It's not just to fling you out into the galaxy somewhere that is, you know, just a little bit better version of what we have here. His idea of heaven is this, is to dwell with us. That's that's what he, he wants you to see here. And so he says the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God Himself will be with them as their God. And he, here we go he, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither shall there be mo- mourning or crying, nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Doesn't that sound good? Mean, I mean, I don't know about you, but I get tired of turning on the news. I get tired of social media reports where somebody's been murdered, somebody has been beaten up, somebody has uh, just had something horrible happen to them. There's been some child that's been abused uh, somewhere, and, and, and I, I'm, I'm weary of this stuff. And it wears me out. But when I I think about this and I think about the hope that I have, there's coming a day when there'll be no more tears and death shall be no more. And there's no mourning nor crying nor pain because that'll be part of the old, old way and a new way will have taken its place. And so what we see here in Revelation is this, is that we don't really go to heaven. Actually, God's plan is for heaven to come to us is that there's going to be, and if you've been part of our Bible study on Wednesday night, you, you'll heur- have heard this before, that there's this overlap of heaven and earth. Uh, and if you think about it, that's exactly what was happening in the Garden of Eden. When you go all the way to Genesis and before the fall of man, before uh, they took partook and ate of the tree that they weren't supposed to eat off of, um, there was this overlap of heaven. God would come and walk in the cool of the day in the garden with Adam and Eve. That's what it was supposed to be. God was dwelling with man. God was dwelling with his people. And then things got messed up. But God's plan is always the same. God's plan has been the plan from the beginning to dwell with man. And God's plan is still the plan at the end to dwell with man. And it's still to be this overlap. And so what's God's plan is to renew all things. It is not to get rid of this earth. Sometimes we think uh, this earth is like, well, I'm just ready to get out of here and go to heaven. And we just think that this earth is going to be like a piece of paper that we've messed up with you know, and we're going to crumple it up. God's going to throw it in a wastebasket, and he's done with it. That's not what we see in the Bible. Actually, what we see in the Bible is that he takes this world, and he renews it. He doesn't just get rid of it and make a new one. He actually renews this one, and there's a new heaven and a new earth, and there's this new overlap of heaven and earth, and so that's what we begin to see. That's the picture that we begin to see, and for me, that I love that picture. I love that. So this morning, when we think about these myths of heaven and these misconceptions that we have of heaven, a lot of this stuff comes from this, and basically this is the first point, is heaven is underwhelming when we lack understanding. Heaven is underwhelming when we lack understanding. When we don't get a good picture of heaven, um, we can actually not value heaven very much. We cannot. Va- we we may not value heavenly ethics very much because maybe we don't get a, a good picture of what that is. See, we don't long for heaven because we have a hard time picturing it, right? Uh, I, uh, we 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 don't have it because we have no frame of reference. Really, there's there's not really a, a good thing that we can compare it to, right? And so for us, it is difficult to. To see that it's exactly what I told you last week when I described this the same idea with hell when Jesus was using pictures that people knew he was trying to draw them a picture of something they had no frame uh, framework for no no frame of reference for and I, I made the statement I said it's like trying to describe the color blue to someone who's been blind from birth how do you do that how do you do that how do you describe something to someone who they have no frame of reference for this, and it's difficult for us to get this. And so when that's the case, heaven can seem underwhelming because we lack understanding. Describing heaven can be difficult for us because we don't have a, a good frame of reference. C.S. Lewis was a writer in the early 20th century, and um, I, I love his writings, and I've ch- been challenged by them. Um, he, there I want to quote him. There's a part that he wrote in the weight of glory and this is uh just an excerpt from his book called the weight of glory and this is what he said he says it would seem that our lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak and what he's saying is this basically if you have a desire to do something you have a desire for the things of this world and sometimes we think man my desires are way stronger and way too strong um But he's saying that God sees them as weak and not strong. So I just want to kind of give you that, that our Lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum. Because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Think about that. Think about that. If, if, if you and, and some of you as parents, you've had this, um, this feeling before. Because at Christmas when you have bought your little children gifts, they have thrown the gift aside and played with the box. Amen. Come on anybody you're like hey man do you know how much that costs no you don't but i do right do you know how much i sacrifice for this and you're playing with the cardboard box give me a break right this is us this is us we are the kids playing with mud pies we are satisfied to sit in our own stench and filth and play with mud pies and god is offering us a vacation at the beach where we can have a different kind of life and we it's difficult for us because our kids don't get that sometimes and 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 sometimes as people we don't get that with heaven because god is offering us so much more see we pursue our loudest desires instead of our deepest longings we pursue those things that speak loudest in our life instead of those things that maybe we long for deeply on the inside. Um, there's another quote and I want to give you um, by C.S. Lewis. He said this in, in another one of his works. He said, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, most probable, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. If we find ourselves with this long, it's like, you know what? There's just, man, this just doesn't do it for me. See, there are people that we come across in this world They understand that. There are people who have celebrity, they have fame, they have wealth, and they have taken their own life, they have uh, turned to all kinds of substances to abuse because they haven't found anything to fill that space. They haven't found anything to fill that spot in their life. And there's something that, and I remember an interview I wish I'd have pulled it this morning. There was an interview with Tom Brady after he had won, like, his third Super Bowl, and they sat down and interviewed him, and he's like, you know, there's, and basically he's talking about winning Super Bowls and counting money and having all this fame and cars and everything, and he's like, you know, there's got to be more to life than just this, which was amazing, right? Because we look at people like that, it's like, well, I would like to have a little bit of that life just so I can know, you know, I would like to be able to make the comparison, right? Uh, and but it's amazing—you got this this guy who's got everything he can ever want, and he says, "Is there more?" And and yes, there's much, much, much more. And you don't have to be a celebrity to attain it. You don't have to be the wealthy or the powerful to attain it. It's a free gift to every one of us, and we have to understand that sometimes. We don't appreciate what that is because we don't have a good picture of what that is. And we are more apt to pursue the loudest desires instead of our deepest longings. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. The Apostle Paul is, is, is just kind of giving us some direction here in Colossians chapter 3. Have you got that? There we are. It says, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Verse 2. Set your minds on things that are what? Above. Above. Not on things that are on earth. See, we walk in, and you know this, and I know this, we walk in and we're preoccupied with life. We're preoccupied with bills, we're preoccupied with what maybe I don't have uh, at the end of the month, or what I need, or what I lack, or what I wish I had, or all these things, we're preoccupied with all these things, and all those things, you know what, they're not necessarily bad, but they are things of this earth. And what Paul is saying is this. He says, listen, set your eyes or set your mind on things that are above. Because when you do that, when you begin to get your mind on things that really are valuable, things that really are eternal, things that will really last and and not rot and and go away, he's like, when you do that, it's going to change your perspective here. When we set our minds on things above us, we find a model for how to look at things around us. When we're able to set our mind on things that are heavenly, when we're able to set our mind, and say, God, give me a framework, give me a matrix, give me a grid that as I'm looking at how to direct my life, help me to see that in such a way that I'm seeing it through your eyes, and I'm seeing it through your framework, and I'm seeing it through, through the lens of heaven, because when we do that, there are a lot of things we put uh, a lot of stock in. There's a lot of things we put a lot of value in that we maybe begin to see, you know what, that's not very valuable in the long run. Actually, it's, it's, it's saying, I told you this uh, a, a while back, that actually people are more valuable than things. The most valuable thing in the world are people, that, that we begin to look at relationships, and we begin to look at each other and say, man, there are people that I wish I could see again. There are people in my life that I wish that I could spend another day with. You know what, and my dad being one of those, and, and I've got his stuff, I've got, a, I've got all his tools. So he left me has all his stuff. But I would much, 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 much rather have one day with my dad than all the DeWalt tools in the world. I would much, much rather have one day because relationship is what we're built for relationship we're built for this and so when we set our minds on things above us we find a different model for how to look at things around us mark chapter 8 verse 31 and i'm getting ready to close here so if somebody wants to come play mark chapter 8 verse 31 and this is jesus he's saying and the son of man began to teach them that the uh, uh, they be he began to teach them that the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again next verse and he said this plainly and peter took him aside and began to rebuke him now man I, you know what boy simon peter is wow i, I relate to him so much anybody you just stick your foot in your mouth you yeah. ever yeah, just like man why did i say that you know can you get this idea of him pulling jesus out jesus listen i know you're the creator of the universe. You have flung stars into the outer reaches of space. You have crafted planets. You have held seas in your hand. But listen, you've got this wrong, okay? That Simon Peter is correcting Jesus. He began to rebuke him. Jesus, in turn, does this. He says in verse 33. He says in verse 33. There it is. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. Wow. Wow. Man, when Jesus calls you to devil, that's pretty serious. For you are not setting your mind on what? Things of God. He said, but your mind and your eyes are set on things of man. He's like, he's like, Peter, you're trying to protect things the way the world protects things. You're trying to enforce things the way that the world enforces things. You're trying to wield power the way that this world wields power. He's like, I'm giving you a different framework. I'm giving you a different matrix to work with here when you're making decisions. He's like, and it's much, much higher. Remember when Isaiah said God's ways are higher than our ways, much higher than our ways. And he's trying to get Peter from looking at doing life the way that the world has shown him and having a kingdom mindset. So that's what we have. You know, that's what heaven is. Heaven is God's kingdom breaking into this world. And every time that we come close to Jesus, every time that we begin to look more like Him and sound more like Him, what we have is heaven that begins to break through in us into this world. And that's why it's so important that you let that break through in your home, you let that break through in your marriage, you let that break through in your workplace. Because heaven begins to be released through you and what you allow God to do and say, God, let heaven just be released in me. Let heaven just be released in my speech. Let heaven be released in my attitudes and in my actions. Instead of us having all hell break loose in our life, let us have heaven break loose in our life. And we'll have a much different effect and a much different result. God has called us to be ambassadors of heaven while we're here. He's told us, He says, while you're here, you're going to occupy until I come. Every one of us have a job to allow heaven to invade our hearts. And then to let heaven overflow into our homes and our neighborhoods. See, the great thing about this, and I, I love this, N.T. Wright said this. N.T. Wright is, a, is, a, is another theologian, and uh, he, he said this. He said, the point of Christianity is not to get to go to heaven when you die, but rather it is putting the whole creation to rights. It is that God has a much, much bigger plan than you just going someplace He's got a plan of setting all things right and making all things new. I am making all things new, guys. When you begin to think about it in this way, are there things in your life which you say, I wish that was made new? Are there relationships in your life you wish, I wish that was made new? Are there attitudes and things that you've had in, in your life? It's just, it's been touched by sin. It's been touched by mistake. It's been touched by death. It's been touched by just the things in this world that are just... God says, I'm making all things new. I'm making all things new. That includes you. And it doesn't mean that he's crumbling us up like a piece of paper that somebody messed up with and just chunking us in the garbage pail. He's like, no. I've created you to be renewed. I've created this earth to be renewed. There's a new heaven and a new earth, and there's going to be an overlap where God's kingdom invades this space. So this is it, and you've heard me say this before, and this is the last thing I'm going to tell you is this. Heaven is less about a place, and it is more about a person. Heaven is less about a place, and it's more about a person. It's about the person of Jesus. It's about Jesus being in us. And we're going through the book of Ephesians right now in our Bible study. And everywhere you see in Christ, in Christ, in him, in Jesus, in Christ, it's about us being in him. It's about us being with him. And it's about his life living through us. It's about the life of Jesus. Heaven is less about a place and it's more about a person. 2 Corinthians 5.8, this is what Paul says. 2 Corinthians 5.8, he said this. I am confident, and yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. He didn't say, you know what, to be absent from the body is to be put in a place somewhere out there in the universe. It's just a better version of what we got here. How did he describe it? He described it. He says to be absent from this body is to be in the presence of Jesus. And I want the presence of Jesus. Guys, I want you to stand with me. They're gonna lead us in the song, and I want you to sing the song together if you know it.
1: Who is like you, Lord, in all the earth? Matchless love and beauty in this world. For nothing in this world can satisfy Jesus. You're the cup that won't run dry with me, it's easy. Your presence is
0: been bombarding us and battling us on every side but lord right now we believe your word we speak your truth we sing your praise we participate in the life of who you are lord and we we allow heaven to be released to where we're at right now we want to be vessels lord that you could pour through And Lord, tomorrow we may have to walk back into the same hell. But Lord, I know, I know that heaven lives inside of us. Lord, because more than that, Jesus lives inside of us. And so, whatever we walk into, whatever dark place, whatever dark thing we walk into, Lord, tomorrow we walk in with light and we bring light with us. Today, we declare that your word is true in our life. So, Lord, if we've been away from you, if there is distance, between us and you right now if there's someone here right now lord that has they're not close and they feel like they can't get to you i know that you can get to them because you can come right to where we're at you fought all of hell and you took the keys to death hell and the grave and you've declared victory for us and so, Lord, you come to where we're at, and, and, Lord, you give us victory. And so, Lord, I pray that's how we see it. I pray, Lord, that's, that's what we can experience in our life with you, Lord, that we repent of our sin. We repent of our own ways and desires that we want to carry out and follow. Lord, today we're praying, Father, you would set your life to living in us. Let our life burn with a a, a flame and a blaze of who you are. We thank you for this time. We thank you for this moment, Jesus.
1: You've been listening to New Life Church in Richmond Hill, Georgia. For more information regarding New Life, please visit our website at newliferh.com.